Who are the real people we consider our sages? Who were they in life? What is the legacy they left us? Join Rabbi Danny Saxton for the next hour as he explores the lives of our Torah giants, the spiritual geniuses who shaped the way we approach Judaism today. That's Focus on Our Sages right now on 101.9 High FM. Good afternoon and welcome to Soul to Soul. It's so wonderful to be with you, as always, on a Wednesday afternoon. And this is a very special time for the Jewish people. Um, we are in Aserisimei Tshuva. We've had Rosh Hashanah, which was a very powerful, moving two days in which we coronate Hashem as King. And now we move on to Aserisimei Tshuva. We are on the 5th of Tishrei. Today is the 5th day of the month of Tishrei. In the Hebrew calendar, and we know that we have Shabbos Shuvah coming up, the very famous Shabbos between Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, which is called Shabbos Shuvah, the Shabbos of returning. And then we have the peak, the climax of this time, which is called the Great and Holy Day of Atonement, Yom HaKippurim, which is on um, Sunday night and Monday. Candle lighting is at 5.46, so one should already begin um, the fast and uh and uh, all the restrictions of the fast no later than 6 o'clock, the latest 6 o'clock on Sunday night. And then the fast comes out at 6.36 on Monday evening. And it's a day of introspection. It's a day of affliction. In other words, we, we fast the whole day. And there are a number of other restrictions which I'll mention in a moment. Very beautiful, precious, holy time. A great opportunity. Um, in fact, the Pasuk says in Yeshaya Hanavi, Isaiah the prophet, the famous Pasuk says, that's uh, Perik Mim Hay of, uh, Nun Hay, sorry, of Yeshaya, and he says, Pasuk says, Search out Hashem when he can be found, call him when he is close. And I'll say, just say that that's these days, that Hashem is always accessible. Every Jew has a direct line to Hashem. We don't need intermediaries. We can all go directly to Hashem. But you know, the, the mashal that our sages give is that usually during the year, the king sits on his throne in his palace. It's not so easy to get the king in the palace. You have to make an appointment. You have to go through all the protocols. You have to get in. But uh, And, of course, we all can. If we really have a sincere desire, we speak directly to Hashem. But at this time of year, the king stands up from the throne and goes out into the fields and is much more accessible to um, every person. He comes to us at this time. And so it's a time of great power. And important. the Rambam actually says that our prayers at this time have a great koyach, great power, that even if we're not davening in a minion and we're davening on our own, it gets the strength as if we're davening in a minion. Not that we shouldn't daven in a minion. We need to daven in a minion. But... That's the power of these days. They're more powerful than all the other regular days. So it's important that we make the most of this opportunity and we see these days as we should, as a, as a wonderful, holy, awesome time. I actually heard a very beautiful marshal from um, the chief rabbi of the UK, Rabbi Mervis. He said that we have in English and uh, in Hebrew auto and um, antonyms, which are auto antonym is a word that has 
two different meanings um, depending on the context. If it's, uh, uh, for example, the word in, in English clip could mean to attach or could mean to cut off depending on the context. Uh, the word wicked in English. So it always used to mean evil, but uh, colloquially recently, wicked now means cool or funny. So depending on the context, that same word has a different meaning. It's the same in Hebrew. Um, for example, in Hebrew, the word barech um, could mean bless or it could mean curse, depending on the context. And another good example in Hebrew is the word noira. The word noira in Hebrew could mean terrible or the same word noira could mean awesome depending on the context. And so these days are called the Yomim Nuraim. They could either be terrible days or awesome days, depending on how we view them, depending on the context. The word in Hebrew, Oneg, which means delight, is the same letters as the word Nega. So Oneg is Ein Nun Gimel, and Nega is Nun Gimel Ein. So depending on where you put the Ein, Ein in Hebrew is an I. Depending on where you put the I, so that will determine whether something is a oneg, a delight, or a nega, or a plague. Um, and so where do we put our eye, the eye in, when it comes to these days? Are they terrible days, or are they awesome days? Of course, we should view them as awesome days. Um, and uh, Rabbi Mervis, he quoted a fascinating study that was done by a journalist in United States in 2007. He was a journalist by, uh, at the Washington Post. His name was Jeannie Weinberger. And he contacted, he knew that a very famous violinist by the name of Joshua Bell was coming to play, um, in Washington to a number of, um, concerts at sold out auditoriums in Washington, the largest auditoriums available. Um, such was his fame and renown. And Weinberger had an idea. He said, to Bell, let's, um, when you come to Washington, will you please go to, we'll set it all up for you, for you to go to the busiest subway station in Washington, and you'll be wearing casual clothing, wearing a pair of jeans and a, and a baseball cap, and you will um, play in this subway station, and let's see what the reaction is of people that are passing by during peak hour, whether they take note of the music that you'll be playing. So they, uh, Bell said he was up to it, and so they set up a number of hidden cameras, and they um, they started recording. He, he went to the subway station, he took out his Stratovarius, which is uh, probably the most expensive musical instrument in the world. Uh, over 20 years ago, it cost him $3.5 million today probably costs a, a whole lot more. And he started playing. And he pay, played for 43 minutes, exactly the same concert that he was going to be playing at the sold-out auditoriums. And um, the cameras counted how many people passed him. 1,027 people passed him. And he opened his violin case for donations. He got a total of $37. Um Nobody stopped to listen to him. Everybody was, you know, busy on their way and nobody stopped to appreciate this magnificent music of one of the arguably best musicians in the world. And uh, the only ones that really were paying attention were the kids. But the adults pretty much ignored him. 
With $37, $20 came from a woman who recognized him, the only one who recognized him, who said, I recognize you, I've got a ticket for your concert, I'm going to be going. And she put $20 in the case. The other $17 were from passers-by, they didn't stop. So we see that how we view things, our, the context has a tremendous impact on our perspective, on our, on our belief system. Um, so here is a busker, this individual, who people view as a second-rate musician because if he was a decent mus- musician, he would be playing in studios and in concerts and he wouldn't be playing on the subway. He wouldn't be busking on the subway. So because that's our preconceived idea, so therefore people didn't really take much note to this magnificent music. And that's how we are. Depending on the context, that's how we view things. And so what is the context of these days? Do we view them as awesome, powerful days or as terrible days? So, of course, as Jews, we should embrace this great opportunity Hashem gives us during these days. And we should view these days as awesome. We should view these days as a very unique time and a time when we can do things that we can't do the rest of the year. And we should grab that opportunity. So please stay with us. We'll discuss in a moment how exactly to do that. This is Focus on Our Sages with Rabbi Danny Saxton on 101.9 High FM. So let's discuss a little bit about the power of this time and the opportunity that we have right now um, and the fact that Hashem is close and we're heading towards the, the climax of these 40 days, which is Yom Kippur. So the focus, of course, is tshuva. Tshuva, which means to return in Hebrew. And tshuva is a great gift that Hashem has given to us. The um, There's a famous chazal, there's a famous teaching of our sages that says, Shalu l'chokma, um, Shalu neviya, Shalu l'toira, Adam chata matiyaleya. A person who sins, what will be his fate? In other words, how does he recover from that? How does he move forward? And all of them couldn't answer. Chochma, nevuah, Torah couldn't answer. They said, or they said, a person should no longer have the right to exist in the world if they sin and destroy God's world. And Shaul Karish Baruchu, they asked Hashem, and Hashem said. That such an individual should do tshuva and he will achieve atonement. So why is it only Hashem that knew the power and the secret of tshuva? There's a famous Gemara in Avorazor. The Gemara talks about Rabbi Loza ben Durdai. Rabbi Loza ben Durdai was, says the Gemara, a person who was very indulgent in the pleasures of this world. And he was somebody who, um, who had a problem with women. And he visited, the Gemara says, um, all the prostitutes in his country. This individual, Rebbe Dudai, visited. And a, t- a time came when he realized how low he was, how low he had stooped. And he began to cry. And the Gemara says he did tshuva. He repented. And he died. Soon after that, he died. And the Gemara says, Rebbe Eloza ben Dutai. It doesn't say Eloza. It says, Rebbe Eloza ben Dutai. 
Ben Olam Haba. He's going to be able to enter into Olam Haba. And the Gemara says, Yesh Shekoyna Olamo Bashar Achas. There are individuals that can acquire their eternity in one moment. So though he lived a life of great self-indulgence, following his desires, his tithes, um, which was, of course, not what Hashem created us to do, and he stooped to very low levels, but since he did tshuva, he acquired eternity, the next world, in one moment. Um, I know sometimes we try this trick, but it doesn't work so well. But it worked with Rebbe Loza ben How come? How does it work? Let's try and understand. So, there's a famous Beis Levi that I heard from um, Rabbi Elephant. The Beis Levi um, is Rab um, uh, Velvul Soloveitchik, the great uh, founder of the Soloveitchik dynasty in um, Lithuania. So he, uh, the Beis Levi says, um, Rav Zika Yitzchak Zev Soloveitchik, he says that, um, he, he quotes the Midrash. There's a Midrash in Bereshis that says that Adam, after Cain had sinned, remember Cain killed his brother Hevel. So Adam said to him, what's with your son? In other words, how come you're still alive? You know, like, how could you carry on after doing such a terrible sin? And Cain told him he did tshuva. He said, I did tshuva and Hashem forgave me. The Midrash says immediately Adam wrote, um, he said, Mizno Shiloyom HaShabbos. At that moment. So let's try and understand what's going on. So the Beis HaLevi explains and he says that the Pasuk says, That Hashem completed the world on the seventh day. So all the other six days it was clear what Hashem was creating. Hashem created different parts of our world. The seventh day Hashem stopped creating. But Hashem completed creation on the seventh day. So what was completed that uh, we could see on the seventh day that HaKadosh Baruch Hu is Mechadesh Bechol Yom Mituvo That every day Hashem renews the world. Every moment, every second. The fact that the world exists, the fact that we are here, and there is a world for us to inhabit, is because Hashem renews it every single moment. So that's what Adam chapt. That's what Adam saw. Once he heard Kain de Tshuva, he understood that Hashem, he immediately says, that I sing the song of Shabbos, because he understood then that we learned from Shabbos that Hashem renews the world every moment of every day. And that is the, because Adam was grappling with this great problem. If a person does an Avera, if a person does a transgression, a person goes against the will of Hashem, so how could they go on? How could they exist in this world? The damage has been done by that transgression. But because Hashem renews the world, and we, when we tap into that power of renewal by doing tshuva, so it's a new world, it's a new existence. We move on from the damage that was done by the Avera, and we enter into a new, a brand new world that we are now a part of. Um, and that's what, and that's why the story say that the word Shabbos and the word tshuva are the same. Shuv is to return. Because we learn from Shabbos that we can return because we see from Shabbos that Hashem is mechadesh mituvoy, pachuyom tuit masabresha, that Hashem is renewing the world every single moment of every day. And that's why the Gemara says, the Yud Gemur Midas, which we're going to be saying multiple times on Yom Kippur, which is the 13 attributes of mercy, Hashem told Moshe, Rabbeinu, Hashem told Moshe that by saying these words, it evokes divine mercy. It, uh, Brings upon us Hashem's compassion. So the Yud Gimel Midas, the thirteen attributes of mercy, 
start with Hashem, and the second word is also Hashem. It's a repeat of the same word, Hashem, Hashem, Kerachum, Vachanun. So why is it Hashem, Hashem? The Gemara says, because it's the same Hashem when we sinned, and it's Hashem after we sinned. In other words, before we sinned, Hashem creates the world. Yud Kei Hashem keeps the world going. And we sinned and we destroyed Hashem's world. Now with the Tshuva, Hashem recreates the world. It's a new world of the Tshuva that Hashem creates, which we um, are a part of as a result of our Tshuva. Isn't that incredible? It's very, very powerful. And that's why Rabbi Yonis and Eipschitz, the Yaros Tavash, says that the second brach of Shimon Esrei, which is Tachiyas Amesim, Gevuros Hashem, which talks about Hashem's revival of those that are dead and revival of giving life to the world. That is Tshuva. Tshuva is the power of life, says Yonis and Eipschitz, which is really beautiful. And that's why it's only Hashem who could give the answer that a person who did sin can do Tshuva and can carry on and get kapora because Hashem understands, Hashem reveals to us the secret of the renewal of the world every day, and Tshuva is tapping into that power, into that energy. And that's Rabbi, Rabbi, Rabbi Eloza ben Dordai could actually earn his eternity in one moment because he also understood this power and tapped into this incredible um, energy of renewal, which is what Tshuva really is. So that's what Yom Kippur is about. Yom Kippur is about renewing ourselves, is about starting again, is about refreshing, moving into a new me, into a new world, into a new existence once we've done tshuva. So we all need to do tshuva. How do we do tshuva? There are three steps to tshuva. The first step is acknowledging what we did wrong. The second step is having true remorse, sincere, genuine, true Remorse from the death, remorse from the depth of our being. And the third step of tshuva is to taking steps not to repeat it. So those are three, three steps. One is vidoy, confessing what we did to Hashem. We only confess to Hashem, not, not to any human beings. Secondly is charata, is having true remorse for what we've done wrong. And thirdly, kabbalah, accepting upon ourselves to, uh, to behave in a way that will prevent us, that will be a safeguard, that will, uh, will help us not stumble again in the same area. So on Yom Kippur, we're doing vidui ten times. We do vidui ten times because the Shem HaMafurash was mentioned by the Kohen Gadol ten times in the avoid of Yom Kippur. Hashem's explicit name, which we're not allowed to say the rest of the year, but it was said by the Kohen Gadol on Yom Kippur in the Beis HaMikdash ten times, and that's why we say vidui ten times, in order to correspond to Hashem's holy name. And each time we're saying vidui, we are recreating ourselves. We are tapping into that energy of Hashem, Amachadesh, Betuva, Bechulyum, Tamid, Masev, Reshis, and we become new people and new individuals. But it has to be a real work, a sincere work. If we're just saying the vidoy, but it's empty words, it does nothing, it means nothing. The vidoy has to come together with the charot and kabbalah, together with the true remorse. And to, So what my suggestion is, is that everybody takes at least one thing. We all need to do tshuva on at least one thing in our lives. And we have to look at ourselves, we look at where we're holding, and appropriate to where we are, identify one thing that we're going to work on. Maybe it's Allah Shanhara, that's a really hard one, and we all stumble and fall in that area. It might be with regards to Shabbos observance, it might be with regards to Kashrus observance, it might be with regards to learning of Torah. We can all 
identify one area in our lives, you know, very hard areas of the Rechikimuch, loving your fellows yourself. So maybe working on patching up certain relationships, whatever it may be. We all should, at this time, going into Yom Kippur, come into this awesome, powerful, powerful day with a something, some growth, some chuba that we've done. So identify what it is. Think about it. Spend a few minutes um, before Yom Kippur and identify one area in which we want to develop and grow. It could be Bain Adam Lamakom, Bain Adam Lachavero, whether it's between us and our fellow men, whether it's between us and Hashem. And identify what we've, what we've done wrong. Say, honestly, have true remorse for having done that. For maybe not having eaten kosher, maybe having broken Shabbos, maybe having spoken the Loshon Hora. Have true remorse about having done that and, and the depth of our being accept that it was wrong and that we regret having done that and that we, you know, maybe it's to do with our business dealings and being honest, etc. Um, so have that, do that work. And then on the day of Yom Kippur, when we're doing the video 10 times, so we'll have that in mind. So the video will be on that which we did. We can do, you can do it with more than one thing, but at least a minimum of one. You should have that with us. And so when we're saying the video and that comes up and it will come up, don't worry. Um, what we say in video cover is a very wide spectrum of, of human activity. Um, have that in mind. And that will be earth shattering. That will make you a new person. That will change you. And will, and will enable us to tap into the awesome and powerful day of Yom Kippur and will really, um, be a, a significant shift in our spiritual growth. Um, as Chazal tell us, tshuva magas al kisei If a person does tshuva, just on one thing, it reaches the kisei akavod, the throne of glory. You're drilling. It's like a drill. You know, you, boreholes are common today in Johannesburg for good reason. And so you drill. They drill. They, it's not a, it's not a wide drill. It's a very thin drill. It's a very focused, sharp drill. But eventually it reaches the water table. And once it reaches the water table, so the water can be accessed. Once we do, if we do tshuva on one thing, we can reach the kisei kabod. We break through and connect with Hashem, and we then now become a part of this power, of we tap into this energy of renewal, and we become a new person. And everything then is different. Then we, that's the basis of which we can develop and grow. And that's the basis. It's a very scary time. We're being judged right now. Are we doing the spiritual work Hashem created us to do? So by doing tshuva, we're showing that we are. We're showing that we're in the game. We're showing that we are not stagnant and dead spiritually, but we are, are vibrant and that we are dynamic and that we are moving forward in a positive spiritual way. And that's what we're being judged on. That's the judgment that's saying this. If you do that, it shows that you're worthy of being in Hashem's world and you're worthy of having another year. The great gift of life that Hashem gives us all that showers upon us. What do we do to deserve it? Very little. And Hashem, we, we, we ask Hashem to see that we are sincere and genuine and we are actually growing spiritually and that we deserve another year of life in Hashem's beautiful world. I heard a beautiful thing from Rabbi Zakron. Rabbi Zakron says, um, that the word Elul, so we've come from the month of Elul and now we're in the month of Tishrei. The word Elul, uh, some say, stands for Ahuv Lamala. Beloved on high and endeared uh, below, which means that we're beloved by Hashem and Shemayim, and we are also loved by our fellow human beings in this world. 
and the, it's based on the Gomorrah and Brochus Yud Zayin. So, uh, the Chovetz Chaim, whose Yotzad was just before Rosh Hashanah, he says in his Sefer Avas Chesed, that a person shouldn't let a day go by without learning Torah, and a person shouldn't let a day go by without doing some sort of Chesed, some sort of kindness for another human being. And usually Chesed begins at home, it can be kindness in home to our spouse, first and foremost, to our children, to our parents. So we should do a kindness. In other words, some people think kindness only applies to those outside of the home. They're very mistaken. The main place for kindness is in the home. Um, so isn't that a beautiful thing that we should try and take on, perhaps for the year, as we every single day will learn some Torah, and every single day will do a chesed of kindness. Um, that really is life-changing. So Amit Sashem, we should all realize the severity of the judgment that's taking place, which whether we like it or not is happening to every single one of us, and we should wake up and move and develop and grow. And growth means internal growth, means real sincere spiritual development from the inside, from the depths of our soul. And we should do tshuva on at least one thing, identify one thing, maybe one or two more as well, and uh, could be to do with brochas, davening, davening in a minion, many, many things that as Jews we're supposed to be doing the mitzvahs that connect us to Hashem. The word mitzvah comes from the word connect in Hebrew, tzav. So we should try and connect with Hashem and try and grow. Show Hashem that we are moving, that we are growing. And in the merit of that will be, please God, merit, gemar uh, chasima toiva. Please stay with us. We'll be back in a moment. This is Focus on Our Sages with Rabbi Danny Saxton on 101.9 High FM. Let's go through some of the customs that we observe at this time and uh, be and make sure that we know what we need to do as this awesome and powerful day, Shabbat Shabbaton, Yom Hakipurim is approaching us on Sunday night and on Monday. So this time we um, it's very important to ask forgiveness of our fellow. Um, although on Yom Kippur we could be fasting and davening and have done tshuva, but that doesn't clean the slate if we've hurt somebody else, if we owe them money, if we damage them in a physical, emotional, spiritual way. So we need to rectify that before we come into the day of Yom Kippur, because Yom Kippur is only between us and Hashem, and not between us and our fellow. We have to fix up the damage we've done with our fellow before Yom Kippur. So it's a very important time, and we should humble ourselves, and we should ask others for forgiveness, and if we've hurt them in any way, we can do it. It's easier to do it this time, because generally that's what's going on. Many people are asking others for forgiveness at this time, and we can, it is better to specify what we did wrong, but if that will make it worse, and the person be too difficult for them to forgive us. So we don't have to specify. We just say, would you forgive me if I hurt you in any way? And, uh, you know, today it's easier even, it's better to speak to the person directly. But if it's too hard, you can send a WhatsApp, send a voice note. Um, and uh, it's important to get forgiveness at this time. And if you were on the receiving end, in other words, you felt hurt and um, slighted and um, damaged by somebody else, you feel somebody hurt you very badly. So, if they ask you for forgiveness, it's very important 
to be quick to forgive. As the Gemara says, a um, a person who, it's based on the Pasuk, that a person who, uh, means that they let go, that they are, don't hold on to their anger and resentment and bitterness, but they're quick to forgive another. So, that person's transgressions will be forgiven. If we forgive others, Hashem will forgive us. If we hold on and don't forgive others, so Hashem will hold on and won't forgive us. And there's plenty that Hashem can hold on to. There's plenty that we've done wrong. So we all need to be in a position where Hashem um, quickly lets go of our transgressions. And so it's very important to forgive others at this time. We also, on Erev Yom Kippur on Sunday, we go to the mikvah, which is a very important um, thing to do. The men go to the mikvah. So usually um, ladies go to the mikvah at the end of Nida. Men, so Hasidim are very strict with mikvah and they try to go as often as they can, certainly on Erev Shabbos and Erev Yom Tov. Um, Litvaks, which most of us South Africans are Litvaks, are descendants of Lithuanian Jews. So we're not as um, as uh, enthusiastic, at the, at the, you know, as careful with the mikvah as Hasidim are, but certainly everybody should go to the mikvah on Erev Yom Kippur. It is important that every man goes to the mikvah. There are a number of men's mikvahs in Johannesburg, Baruch Hashem, that we should make an effort to go to. And then um, we are supposed to make sure, uh, just to mention two things before we get into Yom Kippur itself, is that um, we light three candles. We light what's called a nebari, a candle for all the healthy members of the household, three 24-hour candles. We light a ner um, nashama, a candle for any deceased parents um, that we have. So a husband and wife join together in these. So the ner bar is for everybody in the family. The ner nashama could be if there's more than one parent that's deceased, uh, whether it's a husband or wife, so one candle is fine, 24-hour candle. And then we also light what's called a ner habdola. We light a candle that we use for habdola after Yom Kippur. Um, so that candle should be set aside, and then when we say Havdolah, Havdolah on, on Monday night will be Hagafen, Boremoreh on this candle that we lit before, and uh, Hamavdil, the usual blessing of Havdolah at the end. Um, we don't use spices on Motzah Yom Kippur, only Motzah Shabbos. So that Ner Havdolah is because every other Yom Tif we can transfer a flame. Yom Kippur we can't. So we show we can't, and that flame that was burning, we didn't use, on, uh, we're only using it now for Havdolah, it indicates that we understand that um, we don't transfer a flame on Yom Kippur. Uh, we wear a kittle. Um, the custom is to wear a kittle, which is this white um, outer garment. There's two main reasons for the kittle. first one is that that's the garment we're buried in. We're buried in our kittle and our talus, and we wear the kittle in order to remind us that life is, um, is very fragile. We are mortal creatures, and one day we will be entering the grave wearing that kittle, and therefore it should humble us. And we should ask Hashem for forgiveness and we have an awareness that we have to repair the spiritual damage we've done. And the other reason is because the kittle, we like malachim, we like angels. And we um, are uh, wearing white like an angel. And so on the one day where we completely detach ourselves from the material, physical world, we are like malachim. That's why we can say, Baruch Hashem, Kavod Nakhzulam, Ved, loud. So that's when we say, Shema, Shema Yisrael, Hashem, Hashem, Echad. So that's the anthem, that's the credo, that's the definition of a Jew, is we recognize the oneness of Hashem. Everything is part of the oneness of Hashem that exists in the world. That's the basic foundation of the faith of every Jew. 
very powerful line and statement when we have Kavona and say it properly. And then we say, Baruch Shem Kavod Maksul Lamved, blessed is the name of his glorious kingdom forever. So then we're not allowed to say loud because we're not chutzpahdik. We don't claim that we have a true comprehensive appreciation of Hashem's oneness. The Malachim do, the angels do, the angels see Hashem's tremendous power and uh, governing the entire universe, creating the entire universe, giving life to the whole universe. The Malachim see that. We don't see that properly. So we are not so audacious to say that Baruch Shem Kavod Lahad, but on Yom Kippur, when we like Malachim, when we like angels, when we have removed ourselves from the physical world, so that's the one day a year that we are allowed to say Baruch Shem Kavod Lahad. So you'll notice in Shul, Usually, although it's said softly, Prokshankovod is said loud, and that's, the title also represents that we very holy and we away from the physical on this one day a year. So what do we do? Of course, we're fasting on Yom Kippur. There's called Chamesh Inuim, five afflictions of Yom Kippur. The first one is no eating and drinking, of course, and no washing and bathing, no applying oils, no wearing shoes, no marital relations. So let's go through each of those. And um, we'll be back in a moment and we'll go through each of the Chamesh Inuy. This is Focus on Our Sages with Rabbi Danny Saxton on 101.9 High FM. <laughs> So let's discuss the fast and um, the Chamesh Inuim, the five afflictions of Yom Kippur. So first one's eating and drinking. Everybody should make a great effort to fast, no eating and drinking from 6 o'clock on Sunday night to 6.35 on Monday night. Um, no eating and drinking. And uh, there are very few exceptions made to this rule. Only if somebody's life is in danger, if they're so ill that fasting would put their life in danger, would endanger them. Um, and their health in a mortal way. So then perhaps some exceptions could be made, but otherwise everybody should fast. Pregnant ladies should fast. Um, and even somebody who's got a minor ailment definitely should be fasting. So no eating and drinking um, for Yom Kippur. It's a very powerful thing to fast. If fasting means that you can't make it to shul, more important to fast than to go to shul. So let's say, for example, a pregnant lady. Um, if, if fasting means that she'll have to be in bed all day, she should be in bed all day, and her husband should be home all day looking after the kids so she can fast. More, much more important to fast than to go to shul. Um, and certainly, you know, of course, we should try and keep the yontif and not drive. Um, rather stay at home and fast than drive and go to shul. Um, that uh, is, is much more powerful spiritually um, as the judgment is going on. So the second of the Chamesh Inuim is, is washing and the bathing. We're not allowed to wash. We're not allowed to bathe in any way on Yom Kippur. And um, even when we wake up in the morning, so we know we, we wash our hands in the morning because there's a ruach ra. There's a spiritual impurity on our fingers after we slept when we wake up. It's to do with our neshama leaving our bodies while we're sleeping and a certain spirit of impurity entering our bodies while we're sleeping, and it exits, exits when we wake up through our fingers. So we need to wash our fingers. Every Jew should be careful about this in their lives, and wash six times, um, alternatively on each hand three times um, in the morning. Yom Kippur, we do that, but we only wash up until the knuckles, and not beyond the knuckles on Yom Kippur, although the other, every other day we wash right until our wrists. 
So no washing, even if we, when we go to the bathroom, we just wash up until the knuckles. Um, if there's some dirt on our hands, we can, we can wash off the dirt, but we should be careful not to wash any other part of the hand where there's not dirt or any other part of the body where there's not dirt. Okay. So that's washing and bathing. Thirdly, applying oils. So we are not allowed to apply any oils, any makeups, any perfumes, any deodorants. All of that is asur on Yom Kippur. It's one of the five, uh, chameshinuim. So, so not to apply cosmetics, oils, um, or uh, perfumes on Yom Kippur. Very important to keep the salacha, and that's hard for the ladies who are so used to doing that. But it's very important to be in line with this and to keep this. Okay. Um, and uh, the fourth of the chamesh inuim is wearing leather shoes. You shouldn't. You can wear a leather belt, no problem at all. But no leather shoes. Make sure that there's no leather at all on your shoes. And if you're not sure, don't wear them. It's a very important thing. So make sure there's no leather to, in today's world where there's so many other materials, there's so many other synthetic materials. It's quite easy to wear shoes that are not leather. We should all be very careful and be very particular about this. Some um, tackies, some expensive tackies, running shoes, they have leather on them. They have strips of leather, parts of leather. You can't wear them. Don't wear those shoes. Um, make sure you're wearing shoes that there's no leather at all, canvas, crocs, or any other materials. Um, I find apart from leather. Um, and children also, you know, we should educate our children not to wear leather shoes. And finally, um, the fifth of the Chamesh Inuim is marital relations. It's prohibited for husband and wife to be intimate on Yom Kippur. And uh, uh, they observe as if they were in Nida during um, the time of Yom Kippur. So those are the five afflictions. When we do that, when we do our little part, we do the five afflictions. And we are davening and we do tshuva at least on one thing and we're saying the vidois. So that's our work on Yom Kippur. If we take it seriously and do it properly, so then Hashem does the rest. Hashem turns the world upside down on Yom Kippur. Hashem cleanses our neshamas, our souls. There's a cosmic dry cleaning taking place where although we've sinned and although we've sullied ourselves and although the garment of the soul is filthy, from the, our transgressions and our various during the year, Hashem is cleansing it on Yom Kippur. As long as we're observing the Chamesh Yunim, the five afflictions, as long as we are keeping the yont of like Shabbos, all the Shabbos prohibitions apply. So it's the Shabbos prohibitions, the Chamesh Inuim, and doing Tshuva. That's our work. If we do that, so then Hashem turns the, turns the world upside down. And Hashem cleanses those deep stains of our Neshama are removed. And we are starting again. We, it's a new slate that Hashem gives us if we do those few things. It's really not a lot that Hashem's asking of us. Yes, it's a bit uncomfortable to fast. Yes, you know, to keep the, the Shabbos is sometimes a little bit difficult, which is not really that difficult. It's very easy to get into the observance of Shabbos properly. And the other in room, so it's a little bit slightly, there's some slight inconvenience. But it's so worth it for what we're getting in return. Because then Hashem is wiping clean the slate as long as we're doing tshuva as well. So please God, we should all take this opportunity. We should all grab it and take it seriously. And may Hashem cleanse us all. May we all be blessed with a year of simcha, of shalom, of kedusha, of emes, and of brocha. And wishing everybody a 
Gemar Chasim Thank you for listening. Have a wonderful day.